0: Welcome to Name Drop San Diego. I'm Abby Hamblin and Christy Totten will be your other co-host for this show on the UT Podcast Network. Our guest today is quick to credit trailblazers before her, but is one herself. Tony Atkins was the first San Diegan to serve as California Assembly Speaker in 2014. She is the first woman and first openly gay legislator to serve as California Senate President Pro Tem. And she was even, for just one day, California's first openly gay governor. On this episode, she'll talk about how her political career started in San Diego, her upbringing, the housing crisis, and much more. Here's our interview with California Senate President Pro Tem, Tony Atkins. You grew up in Virginia and still have a bit of the accent to prove it. Uh, How do you feel like growing up there shaped who you are today?
1: Well, I think uh, I do still have the accent. Uh, (laughs) 35 years later, you would think there'd be a little modification, but obviously not. Um, You know, it it of course shaped my approach to the world and and how I work today. I grew up uh, in pretty much rural poverty. My parents were blue collar working class folks that couldn't work their way out of poverty. And so the issues I work on today uh, in elected office, Uh, I grew up without healthcare. I grew up in substandard housing, a house with no running water. You know, to this day, uh, the bathroom is my favorite room in the house uh, because of that. Um, So I work on affordable housing. I work on um, healthcare. And of course, you know, I'm a member of the LGBT community and uh, coming out uh, very quietly in Southwestern Virginia when I was 18, 19 years old, um you know I work on issues of qua- equality and for women women's reproductive rights I spent time in a women's work. you know as a manager of a women's clinic and and so I think all of those intersections um really have a bearing on who I am and how I approach uh, public service um and pretty much everything else I'm sure that's all our stories you know
2: yeah absolutely well, you mentioned your coming out story. Um, you came out in 1982. Would you mind sharing that with us?
1: Well, again, I will tell you, it was a soft coming out. I was in Southwest Virginia uh, in college uh, at Emory and Henry College. I had a wonderful advisor, and Professor Steve Fisher, who, you know, with the support around me and, and a few friends, you know, we, we work to be visible in ways, but he reminded me, you know, you've got to be concerned about your safety. Um, and, and so I, I did take that to heart, but we found ways to work together, uh, to do incredible things. When I was in college, um, I worked on a, a program to bring Holly near a Californian, by the way, um, to campus to, to, uh, be part of a, nuclear disarmament um, symposium with Helen Caldicott and Admiral Zumwalt, very controversial issues back in those days, and I brought the music. I brought Holly Near, who sang about um, you know, the LGBT community, and uh, that was quite radical there. Today, it would not seem so, and it wouldn't even be so in Virginia, but you know, and coming out to my parents was also a little bit of a process, um, I wouldn't say they uh, understood, but I am so fortunate. My parents uh, really unconditionally loved their kids and um, they, they loved me and I'm not sure they understood it, but um, the, you know, I always felt the love of my parents. And I think that's, a, that's something I really value because I've heard the stories of other members of the LGBTQ community um, who were kicked out who, you know, and, and that's just a hard thing to, to come through because we need the love and support of parents. And uh, it's why I always love PFLAG. You know, in the early prides in San Diego, um, they were the group that marched that got the biggest applause uh, because it was the friends and families of, of those of us who were celebrating pride.
2: I think it's it's sometimes easy to forget now that gay marriage was only legalized not too long ago at all. At this point, you know, we kind of, well, I don't want to say we take it for granted, but it seems like it's been here a while. But that wasn't always the case. And especially for you getting into politics, you know, being open from such a young age or, you know, somewhat open. I mean, what was it like being in politics at a time when even members of your own party were opposed to gay marriage?
1: Well, you know, I have the benefit of, of having the mentor, Christine Kehoe, who was the first open LGBT person elected to the city council in San Diego. That was, that was a movement. Um, I will say, coming from Virginia to San Diego, I loved San Diego. My first pride was 1986 in San Diego. I got here late 85. I missed pride. But I, just to, just to feel that you could be out and open in the community for a day, with with people surrounding you so you felt safe and you could celebrate that pride. Um, But, you know, Chris really um, was the trailblazer. So when I um, followed behind her, um, it was so much easier for me, these trailblazers, people like Chris that made it easier for us, which is not to say there aren't issues for others and there weren't issues for me, but having that positive example of someone who really served all of the community in District 3, I mean, there was a time I went to work for her where, you know, I heard from more than one person on the 10th floor at City Hall. Well, what is your agenda going to be? You know, they assume, what is that gay agenda? And we laugh about it now, but it was a serious question then. They thought we were going to come in and, I don't know, uh, change the curtains at City Hall. That would have been a plus, let me tell you, if you've ever been up there. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, Chris did fight for equality, and we did get domestic partnership. And when I was on the council, I led the charge to get the amicus brief to support marriage. And you'll remember the heartfelt Mayor Jerry Sanders reversal of his position because he's the father of an LGBTQ daughter. And, um, you know, I'll forever be grateful. I thanked him for being a good dad, you know, Uh, but he was a leader that day. So there were moments, but I just I just feel so fortunate to have followed people who really made it easier for me. And of course, I hope that some of the things I've been able to do in office uh, make it easier for others. I was actually myself and Rich Gordon in the legislature were the first married couples as we were sworn in to the assembly in 2010. We were the first LGBT married couples uh, or to have a, a spouse that were gay uh, sworn in, and but but that came after Chris Kehoe had to deal with, along with Sheila Kuehl and Jackie Goldberg from the L.A. area and Carol Migden from the Bay Area. They formed the LGBT caucus in Sacramento in the legislature. And the, if you if you see the film Political Animals that Carol Migden did, there is footage of what they had to deal with and the kinds of comments that were leveled at them on the floor of the legislature. And, and some of the Democratic colleagues who were very shy, they wanted to be there, our allies. So I will tell you, I, I am fortunate. I followed, uh, I followed uh, some of those hard moments and we still had it here. I did the Gender Recognition Act. I did the, um, uh, a bill to talk about the definition of sex to include gender identity. I swear, people ask me, is that a bathroom bill? So, you know, even, e- even enlightened folks. So, it hasn't been without some interesting challenges, but, I, you know, I just am so appreciative to have followed people like those members into the legislature. Um, our history is rich, and that is something I'm really, really proud of. Yeah, so now being, you know, one of the most powerful
0: people in California, you know, having been in the many roles you've been in, what are kind of the issues today or concerns today or maybe some of the strengths, um, but also the challenges of being such a high-level LGBTQ community leader?
1: Well, you know, I think of, uh, you know, Kamala Harris being the vice president, the first woman, first woman of color, API and African-American. Um, you know, she knew she was going to be. You know, as she went through that process, she you couldn't help but know she was the first. When I was becoming the speaker and the pro tem, the Senate leader, it didn't. It wasn't like that. It was. It was how do you uh, offer the support to your colleagues to be able to be in the position to provide that leadership. So it wasn't really clear that I was marking those grounds uh, as they happened. They just unfolded, and I sort of look back and say, "Wow, yeah, that that was." We, we did that. I, you know, I credit the foundation in San Diego. Uh, let me just tell you what the gains we made in San Diego to get Chris elected and then me. And of course you see Todd Gloria. How are we not just thrilled uh, to see him as the mayor of San Diego? Not just LGBTQ, but a person of color. Um, and, you know, as I look at it now, um, I think our challenges are, we fought so long to get things like, um, recognition of LGBTQ, and now we have all these incredible young people coming along just put, turning it on the head, you know, gender fluidity and uh, just, just their whole approach. I learn from them every day, and so I think our challenges for the older community of LGBTQ, be open to the younger generation and what they are helping us accomplish and what they're teaching us, and to the younger generation, I would say, you know, be mindful of what it took to get here, because some of those comments leveled at us when we were trying to, to get equality were painful. And, and of course, the challenges we have, look, uh, we are we are beginning to really understand the intersectionality. That's a great word, but in reality, it means that the LGBTQ plus community is diverse within itself. So when we see members of the API community having, uh, you know, being put in jeopardy and harm's way and safety and the hate, that affects us. When we see the African-American community and Brianna Taylor and George Floyd, that does affect us. There are many African-American members of the LGBTQ community. And we, we look at our trans siblings, particularly trans women and the murders the list becomes longer and longer. What we need to realize is our fight is a broader one. We've had to fight for position and space to be part of the marginalized community of acceptance. And now that we've gained this influence and this power, we have to use it to be able to expand the broad understanding of all communities. So we have a great opportunity, but the challenges are how do we How do we be open to each other as as we make our points? So our stories matter. Our stories really, really matter. My story of growing up poor, that's about realizing that a poor kid from Appalachia with the right support, the right support that we all deserve can be successful. And I want that for, for everyone. And so pride is our pride now is really about being able to express our true authentic self. That's a real phrase that has meaning and value. Um, But it it is also about the recognition that we have achieved a lot and boy, we have an opportunity to do so much more. And if we have the seat of influence and power, we have to be mindful of the responsibility and, and what it entails. And so I'm excited about all those things.
2: Very well said and very inspiring. Um, Just shifting gears a little bit, we have a lightning round for you. It's just a collection of sort of random wacky questions. So um, the first one I have for you is how many times have you seen Dolly Parton? I know you're a fan and why do you love her so much? I've seen
1: her at least four times and I love her because talk about authentic self. Let me tell you, growing up in Appalachia, And she's older than I am, uh, you know, beautifully older than I am, of course. But I can't imagine what it was like to be her in, um, you know, Tennessee, um, Sevierville, Tennessee, um, and to be who she is. And the fact that she references, um, you know, the town prostitute as her, you know, inspiration to be creative. I just, I love, I love who she is. And I love that she seems to me to be absolutely real. Um, People gravitate towards her. Sorry, that was lightning round. You should never start
2: with Dolly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Time's up. Well, no, Um, did you listen to the podcast about her? It's so great. It it was made by Radio Lab and yeah. Okay. I'm I'm glad that you have. She's that just gave me like a newfound respect for her. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Favorite Dolly song. Oh, That's a lightning uh, one.
2: Just one.
1: Smoky Mountain Memories. Yeah. Jolene. Amazing song. I will always love you. Uh-huh. Hard Candy Christmas. Sorry. I, I have an order. I usually go by
2: threes. Top three. Go ahead okay. There. We'll take that. We'll take that. <clears throat> okay. Are you Team Pfizer or Team Moderna? Or Team J and J. Team Moderna. Yay. <laughs> also Team Moderna. I got I'm, I'm just glad, over I'm here.
1: glad it's out there. I'm glad it's out there. My spouse was Pfizer. I was Moderna.
2: Okay.
0: What is your favorite thing that you've streamed lately? Whether that's a movie or a series.
1: Oh gosh, I'm so pathetic, and this is not politically correct or even fun. Uh, I I am watching I, I am watching uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. How pathetic is that?
2: That's awesome. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Wait, it's, do they? What season are they on?
1: Well, I don't know. I never see anything in real time. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm always working, so I binge watch a lot of things. But I will tell you. Oh gosh. In the month of prod, I have to take that back. I am binge watching
2: pose. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I still haven't seen the final.
1: Oh, me either. So I I, and and my spouse and I have a a agreement. We can only watch that together. Nice. So Ergo, Fear of Walking Dead, because she will not watch that. She will not watch
0: that. (laughs) That's always, uh, the Walking Dead franchise is always big at Comic-Con, so it's kind of fun to see the zombies in San Diego and all that. I
1: look like that in the morning, you know? Same.
0: Me too, me too. Um, Is there a book or other movie that um, really changed or affected your life uh, growing up?
1: Oh, golly. Well, growing up and very young, prolific reader, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. You know, my mom had a library card. That was the one thing we read all the time. Tree grows in Brooklyn, but I'm a wax dolly again. If you can, the latest book I've read that I give to everybody as a gift is She Come By It Natural by Sarah Smarsh.
2: Hmm.
1: Wonderful book.
2: Okay, we'll check that out. What what job would you be doing if you were not a a lawmaker and were also um, not a Dolly Parton backup singer?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, that I wanna do.
2: I'd be a dog walker.
1: I'd find myself at the, at the humane society. Uh, you know, I just, I just love animals in the moment. They are who they are.
0: What is something
1: that keeps you up at night? Homeless people in the parks that I see every day. Absolutely. It just, uh, it breaks my heart given all the money and all the attention, and everything we're trying to do. I cannot handle an individual on the streets and I don't look away. I, I cannot look away.
2: Yeah, I mean, that concludes the lightning round, but can you talk more about that? You know, that's such a big issue in California and San Diego. We've heard how it's gotten worse during the pandemic. I mean, what what are we doing as a state and as a region?
1: Well, if money were the issue, we would have probably solved this. So it really is. And, and I got to say, I San Diego, Nathan Fletcher taking the lead at the county, Todd Glory, this has been his issue. It is about um, making sure that the services match the housing. And you know what? It's about building more housing units. We need more housing. We've put a lot of money to subsidized housing and we gotta keep doing that. All of, I've done tons of bills on money for housing, low-income housing. I'm now doing what's perceived to be some pretty controversial bills on production. We've done the easy stuff we have got to do the hard stuff. We've got to figure out how to build more units and we've got to make sure that some of those units are affordable to low income and and homeless. And it's gotta be housing first, permanent supportive housing with services. So I got to applaud Nathan and Todd because I think they're willing to work together. The county handles mental health services And at the state level, we've got to, um, we've really got to look at mental health services, behavioral health beds, and we've got to make sure the resources are there. So our budget right now is spending and proposing at least a billion dollars a year to give to local jurisdictions. The the answers are on the ground there. So we've got to look at services, resources continuing to flow, uh, make sure there's accountability there, but we've also, got to build more housing units. It's complicated. There's too many layers to that onion to just think that it's one solution. So when people look at one of my bills and say, well, you're not addressing this. I'm like, it's not supposed to it. We have a package of bills and a package of solutions, and they're all going to be critical. How are you feeling about
0: SB9 as of now? We're seeing a lot of chatter about that here in San Diego.
1: Well, it passed yesterday. It got the fifth vote it needed in the housing committee and the assembly. It goes to the appropriations committee. Uh, my, my good friend in San Diego, uh, Lorena Gonzalez, is the appropriations chair. Uh, we got the bill done last year and we ran out of time because of the midnight deadline that we were under as the legislature. So I feel optimistic. I think there are a lot of myths about what this bill does. It's four units. You can already put three units on a parcel with a, an adu an accessory dwelling unit or a granny flat and a junior adu and if you look at some of our neighborhoods i live in south park golden hill i walk around all the time i see excellent examples of maintaining the character of the neighborhood as you're adding a unit of housing and it isn't just about low income and affordable housing at those levels it's about middle income housing middle income people have a hard time buying a home in, in san diego so This is about lots of options. I urge people to look deeper. And if you have questions ask. but, um, you know, if it were easy, we would have done it. It we're, we're, we're working on the hard stuff now. And thank you for asking these questions. These are, these are so important.
0: We'll definitely be watching to see where that goes next. Um, I wondered if we could just kind of quickly go down memory lane since our listeners are in San Diego and you have been representing our community for so long. Um, I wondered if you could go back to the city council days to, you know, when you became the interim mayor. I'm curious kind of what you learned in those very early days of being involved with policymaking and San Diego issues that kind of stick with you today. I mean, uh, the Dick Murphy era was pretty tumultuous and you had to kind of ride a lot of stormy days there, but um, kind of what sticks with you from your very early San Diego political days?
1: Well, I think, you know, living through that hard time has really helped me in the job I have now. It's the hard times, it's the challenges that you learn from. Uh, You know, I hate to hear that. We all hate to hear that because that means we're going to go through some stuff, uh, you know, before we can be successful. Those were hard days, but I will tell you, There were people in the community in San Diego that rallied together during that hard time. The Chamber of Commerce, which was not exactly my natural ally at that time. I was a little more of an activist type person uh, at that time. I think people thought I was a little little crazier to the left side, Uh, but I got to give them credit. The Chamber, um, EDC, uh, my colleagues, you know, uh, I serve still today with Brian Mainshon. Ben Weso was there. Um, Jim and Medaffer, Scott Peters, we all came together. And I, I think, um, and you know what's really interesting, during all that difficult time, during all that difficult time of, of the investigations and our audits and having only six council members and becoming the acting mayor, it happened in July. The week before Gay Pride, I was made the acting mayor. And the community, it, it was really important for them. It was huge, it was huge. So in the midst of all this turmoil, and it was the longest five months of my life, I had pneumonia by the end of it. And uh, at the same time, the community um, got to see an acting mayor from the gay community step up at a time of crisis. And I was incredibly mindful of what that meant to them. So the pressure and the stress to do it right, to work hard. Um, I will tell you though, of all the jobs I've had, and, and I, I, I always get attached to the job I do. I, I love the work I do, it becomes my life. Um, working as a staff member to Christine Kehoe, I thought it was the best I had arrived. I got to work with community on really important issues and I loved it. And that foundation and that grounding, working with Chris as a staff member for seven years, led me to think about this. The one lesson I learned that has helped me always is communication and listening. You cannot do enough of either. When it's tough, more communication, not less. When you're in conflict with each other, as hard as it is, don't text the person. That loses tone, you know? Mm -hmm. Tone, call the person. Communication and, and really listening.
2: We've come, uh, you know, such a far way since that time. I think you have a a long way to go as well. You know, what are some of the things you still want to accomplish and, you know, how do you want to be remembered, not just as a a California politician, but as a person?
1: Well, I think I'd rather be remembered as a person, you know, I am Tony, Uh, I have a title and I think I, I always, I can't push that title away. Most times I have to remember that I represent something bigger than myself, but, um, you know, I, I want to be remembered as, you know, um, thoughtful and someone who really worked hard uh, as a public servant. I, I, I like the term. I believe in it. I think it's what I, I do. It's who I am. And I think one of the best compliments I, I was introduced yesterday, and it really means something to me, that um, in all the years I've been in Sacramento a decade. Uh, The person that introduced me said, and the whole time I've known her from the assembly member, when she was running assembly, speaker, senator, pro tem, that she's always been the same, that she's never changed uh, in terms of the core of who I am. And that to me was an incredible compliment because it makes me think of my mom. And so I just want to be remembered as someone who, who cared a hell of a lot because that's why I do what I do. It's what gets me through the hard days. And so I hope people will remember me as someone who really wanted to help them be successful. And in leadership, you know, people talk about what it means to be a leader. You're only a leader if people allow you to be. And so, you know, I thank my colleagues in the Senate for letting me be the Senate President Pro Tem and in the assembly, but it's about helping them all be successful for their own communities. So I love what I do and I hope that people will remember me kindly uh, despite, you know, despite some of the things I hope that, I hope that they'll remember the root of why I was doing some of the things I, I did.
0: For those who don't get to see you off of TV or in the, ch- in the chamber, or, you know, who would you say, uh, Tony is, If you know, you're like, I'm still just Tony, but what are some things about you that help people understand who
1: you are, um,
0: just as a person?
1: Well, I'm an, I, I know, You've probably heard this. I'm an absolute introvert. I am not an extrovert. Um, the fact that I have a job to do and a role and a title helps me walk into a room uh, and be able to do what I need to do because I don't talk on the phone after hours. I you know, i I am a quiet person. I love to read. Um, I love trees. I love green. I love trees. I love the rain. Uh, you know, and I, I love animals. And so, I think really, uh, at some point, um, I love the work I do, but I love peace. I love calm. I love, I love green trees and rain and, and to be quiet and to listen to good music.
0: Hey there, listener. We hope you liked our show. It comes out every Tuesday with a new interview with an interesting San Diegan. We've talked to sports stars, chefs, scientists, musicians, and many other people from all walks of life on this show, so please go check out our other episodes. I also want to shout out my co-host Christie's daily news podcast, San Diego News Fix. Please give it a listen for an inside look at some of San Diego's top stories. Thanks again for listening to Name Drop San Diego. Bye!